Have you ever used a computer? Most of us have and are familiar with such things as a web browser, word processor, or maybe an email program. We learn to do a few things just so we can navigate, but studies show that we usually only use about 20% of the capabilities of the software. If we learn the other 80%, we find the true power of each program. Likewise, when we look at the Bible, we pick and choose a small portion of the scripture to study and memorize. When we dig into the unfamiliar details, we get into the power of the Word of God. Are you ready for the energizing excitement within God's Word? Are you ready to find out that you have been created with God's purpose in mind and what that purpose is? Hello and welcome to God's Word for You for today from Liberty Lake Church. This is part 10 in the series called Ephesians, God's Cosmic Plan, King Jesus, His Church, and You. So take out your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and follow along with Pastor Shane Fries, who has joined us this summer from His Place Church in Post Falls, as he takes us past the familiar verse and into the excitement beyond in the session titled, Crafted for Christ. So as the new guy, uh, I'm not sure how long am I supposed to let you guys talk? 30 minutes? Okay, well that's what I've been told, so I thought maybe what I'll do is I'll interrupt you. And you can continue your conversations after the service. Uh, and nobody told me how long I have this morning. I, obviously, I'm, I'm filling in for Dave. How, how long? As long as there's one person still awake, I can keep going? Okay. <clears throat> um, <laughs> right. Uh, on Thursday night, I, I was preaching for our uh, the church over at his place. I, I preach at the Thursday night service and and uh, over there. And so I opened up with my sentence, which I'm going to attempt to do today. And they all went, "Man, that's good." So I'm like, "Sweet conclusion." And off anyway, they didn't let me out of there that quickly, but I tried. Um, let me share with you what I'm going to try to say today. And hopefully, when we're all done, I have said what I've attempted to say, or at least I've told you what I'm going to try and say, um, because I believe it's what the text is wrestling with us in. Uh, we are saved by grace. It is through the process of faith, not that we've had anything to do with or could have earned on our own, but it was the plan of God established before time that we should all walk in them for the, for the days of our lives to the glory of God. Whew. Now let's see if I say that again accurately from the text. Can I tell you, I'm super excited about this passage. I, um, I, a, a few years back, I was reading through Ephesians, and I noticed that my memory verses of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, there was a third verse. How many of you guys were aware that there was verse 10? Most of you? I, I've been memorizing Ephesians 2, 8, 9, quoting it like crazy, and there's a third verse. It's actually in the paragraph. It's, the set. it's all together. You can't separate them. It's really incredible. So for two years, I've been, Lord, I really want to, I want to study this. I want to preach this. And uh, it's, finally I get to. It's been two years of waiting for this passage to come up in my preaching series. And here we are. 
So, if I'm overly excited at some point, um, I don't know what the hand signal is for settle down for you guys, but if everybody starts going like this, I'll, I'll know I need to calm down just a little bit. It probably won't get that bad. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. And because I'm not... Oh, we have it up there. Okay, cool. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, we're going to look at this word workmanship in, in, uh, in sequence here in just a little bit. But how many of you guys have ever seen great craftsmanship? Uh, I mean, skilled craftsmen of somebody that's obviously not only committed their time to learning the skill, but they were gifted. It, it was a special gift. Um, it's really amazing because many of those craftsmen, especially when you get to art, uh, like woodworking and uh, even the, the stenciled uh, glass, the stained glass, um, or pictures, painting, those kind of crafts, when you find somebody that's genuinely skilled, many times people can actually recognize their work because of a hand stroke or, or the way in which they've done a particular thing, the, the, that kind of skilled craftsmanship. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. I am not one of those. I like working with metal. Do you know why? Because if you mess up with metal, you go find another piece of metal, you weld it together, and you, you start fixing it to what you wanted. With wood, if you're trying to make somebody's face out of wood and you mess up, that's a different person. You got to go a whole different direction with that, right? Because it, it, it matters. When you're doing certain types of craftsmanship and, and skilled work, it, it's really amazing when you see and you can actually recognize the skill or the crafts, the, the handiwork of the craftsman. We're going to look at that, but I want to put that in your head so you're thinking through that process of God calling us his workmanship. Paul reminds us that that's who we are. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Dave has taken us through the concept of saved by grace uh, this last week, uh, last Sunday. And, and so I'm not going to spend much time there other than Paul's reiterating a second time here in verse 8, from which he had just said, uh, just not too many verses ago in verse 5, that we are, by grace you have been saved. And here in verse 8 he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, I want to give you a definition of faith today. Uh, I don't know how many of you have grown up in church, but the idea of faith, uh, and, and the big idea, one of the main concepts is believing or being a person that's, that's, that's a believing person. And, and we can agree with that and, and recognize that. One of the cool things about this study, um, as I was wrestling through as, as we've been going through Ephesians, was recognizing that there's a different word used for faith in, in verse 15 of chapter 1, in verse 8 here of chapter 2, and it continues on throughout the book, than the faithful that was used in chapter 1, verse 1. The faithful that we see in chapter 1, verse 1, was truly a faithful or a believing person. Somebody that is believing in and, and is faithful or, or a believing person. This word faith 
is, uh, is, carries that same idea, but it adds on to it a slightly deeper context, a, a deeper meaning. And you can find that uh, in most lexicons have that. I, I just pulled this out of a, a, the le- a lexicon uh, for Greek New Testament. Um, and this is the definition that they gave. Generally, of the leaning of the entire human personality upon God or the Messiah in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. I'm going to do that again. So it's the leaning of the entire human personality on God or the Messiah in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. That's the faith that Paul's referencing here. Should I say it one more time? The leaning of the entire human personality, as I was wrestling, what's the entire human personality? What do you think of when you think of an entire human personality? We're all different, right? Unique, made just, just precisely by God, specifically unique. It's everything that is, everything about us that makes us who we are. Our weaknesses, our strengths, our joys, our fears, our gifts, the things that we need people to be gifted in to help us. All of those things make us uniquely individual. And it's that idea of the leaning of the entire human personality. Everything that makes us us. Leaning on God. Don't you love the, the ambiguity of the words? In absolute trust and confidence. Absolute's kind of a definitive, complete all in word, absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, how many of us have a problem with trusting God for his power? Most of the time, we're kind of like, yeah, he, he's, he put the stars in place, right? I'm pretty good with him being powerful. In fact, if he wills, he, he could help me out in my situations. We've seen him work. We're, we believe in his power, his wisdom, his idea of making uh, decisions or, or, or helping us with things. I'm pretty much okay with that. Now, I will tell you, I do argue with him on his view of what's going on with my life at times. I'm like, Lord, if you just let me explain it to you a little bit more, you might see it my way and change what's happening. So when we get to wisdom, I start to get a little less trusting. But when it comes to his goodness, can I share with you that I'm really struggling with my lack of faith in his goodness? Anybody else find that in your life? I'm not sure if I'm okay with uh, the medical issues that a family member has come up with. I'm not sure if I'm okay with losing my job or or losing this love prayer. I'm not sure if I'm okay with God being good in all of those scenarios. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was a long, long, long time ago. Um, I was in Bible school just a few decades ago, and, uh, and uh, Bill Clinton got elected. Do you guys remember that? Oh my goodness, we were going to die. No, 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 no. There was rooms full of people weeping. And I walked, I'm a stupid kid from some farm out in the middle of Washington. I had no idea that, that, that the president had that much of an effect on our livelihood. And, you know, and so I'm, I walk in, I'm like, what's going on? And the people are weeping. And uh, somebody said, Bill Clinton's been elected president. And I was so naive. 
I was such a dumb kid, I turned around and said, yeah, but isn't God in control? You would have thought I had said something hideous. They freaked out. Oh, anyway, I learned my lesson. Don't ask college students if God's in control. That's a bad, Bible school students, you want to be really careful with that. Anyway, I digress. Check out what James says in James chapter 1. You really need to see this. This is an incredible thing. Um, we're still talking about faith, and I realize that we're not getting very far, and I need to get moving here. Um, but James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Actually, we're going to use 4 as well. 2 through 4. James says in chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. Some translations say endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let the testing of my faith? Huh? The idea of through that we actually see here uh, is the it's a conduit. It it actually it takes what's good, what God's doing and it, it make it moves it through. It's a lot like electricity. I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with electricity. Anybody love electricity here? I love the results of electricity. I don't like the consequences of electricity. Um, I was working in my house replacing some light sockets and I somebody in, I don't know what they did in our house, but an entire wall, you would think that this particular section of the house, since that plug-in got turned off, the one next to it would be turned off, right? I guess not. And I found out the hard way that that plug was still hot because I was going to change it. I'd turn off the breaker. Anyway, that's a whole nother issue. And that was, that was a whole life lesson as well. Um, but this idea of, of through, we are saved by grace. We didn't do anything. We couldn't earn it. We didn't, we didn't think of it. We didn't, it's not by us. It's all by God, by who God is. But he has a process that he takes us through, and it's called faith. Now, I got to tell you, there was a time in my life where I was thinking, well, faith is my belief. But as I was looking at this definition of the, this lexicon, this idea of faith, where it's my leaning on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, well, that's a little different story than just believing. In fact, it reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where the writer of Proverbs says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I wish he would have said that he would make your paths easy, smooth, straight, and obvious. But he didn't. He said, I will direct your paths, but trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's this idea of faith. And in fact, it's the same exact word that James uses. It's the same Greek word. And so here Paul is challenging us. He's reminding us that it's by grace you've been saved. It's through faith. There's a process in which God's taken us through. And he even says that it's a gift. Now, can I share with you? I think we have gifts a little backwards in our culture. I don't know how many of you guys uh, were in an environment where you were given so much stuff that you actually felt the freedom to complain about a gift when you were given it on Christmas morning. But have you seen the videos of the kids that freak out when it's not what they want? 
and the parents to go into a panic to try and settle the kid down. I'm like, what? It's a gift. Somebody thought about it and bought you something. We don't really, I think we've lost a little bit of the concept of a gift. Part, maybe it's because everything's so easy to get today. Maybe it's because we don't have to build them anymore. If you had to make every gift that you gave to somebody, it would sure change how you did it, wouldn't it? It would change what you gave. For, some, for anybody that was getting a gift from me, I'd be sorry. <laughs> I, I love you. Because um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm a craftsman. But I do remember uh, my mom and dad were trying to help me understand the value of gifts. And so my dad was helping me make a wooden napkin holder. Do you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen these things, but they're table yachts when you're, you know, like eight years old and you're making this thing. And so it's a one by four that ended up, I think my mom could have put two sets of napkins in it by the time I was done. Um, but it had dowels that came up and a little wood thing that set over and kind of put a little bit of pressure. It was cute. It was amazing. Um, because, why? It was horrible craftsmanship. Horrible. They never, I mean, she used it for the first few weeks, but then we needed to eat. And we needed the room for the food to go on the table, so she put it somewhere else, and I've, I've never seen it again. But what was the value of that? It was the gift. It was the time and energy that I spent building it. I think that's part of what we're, we've lost in our concept of present, our concept of gifts in our culture, is that we don't put a lot of effort in anymore. We don't have to. It's all easy. My boys said to me one time growing up, and it, it was the revelation of how bad we had it. Um, they said, hey, Dad, can we stop and get some ice cream? And Mom and I said, man, we, you know, boys, we don't have any money. And my son turned to me, and I can't remember which one. I won't throw either one of the four under the bus. But they turned to me, and they said, well, just go to the bank and get out of the machine. Ah, it doesn't quite work that way, does it? But I think we think it does. I, I think that our culture of gifts is, has gotten so weak that when Paul tells us that this is a gift from God, our salvation is a gift from God, the process that he takes us through into faith is a gift from God. We tend to think maybe it's a little bit like going to Walmart and picking the one off the shelf. We don't recognize the thought and intent that came. And I think that's what Paul's trying to call us back to. Do you realize that this is an all-knowing, all-powerful God that's outside of time? And he thought about you before the foundations of the earth were formed. Do you understand? That's in chapter 1, right? So before dust was made, he thought about us. He planned us. He knew us. That's incredible. And that's the God that has given us a free gift. Jesus is reminding the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 that if she understood who he was and the gift that he was offering, that she would have asked of him and he would have given her eternal or living water had she just recognized the gift. Do we recognize the gift? Are we aware of the giver of the gift? Uh, one of the videos that we showed uh, it, it, as we started this series was Louis Giglio's video, uh, How Great Is Our God? And in that, he references God as a star-breathing God. 
and he shows us a star called Canis Majoris. Um, it, it's just this astronomical size. Um, in, in fact, I'll back up two stars to one that's a little bit smaller, uh, that, which they call Betelgeuse. And, and when you see them sequentially go across the screen in size, as they transitions to these mega stars, our star is sitting on the screen, a 15-foot screen. Our star is like this great big huge thing on there. And this line comes up next to it. You're like, <gasps> and as our star moves out of the way, the, the next star is so big that it looks like, almost looks like a straight line next to it on the screen, and then they have to downsize it. This, this second star, which is, which is not the biggest star, uh, it's called Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse, and it's double, it is double our sun's circumference, not circumference, our sun's orbit around the earth is the size of the second star, not the biggest. There's two bigger than that that they know of so far. That's the size of the star. And the Bible says that he spoke and they came to being. So Louis Giggler reminds us, the, the same God that is offering us this gift that says it is grace by faith, it's the gift of God, that same God who we're going to see as our craftsman is a star-breathing God. And that's who's involved in this gift that we have been given. I love the idea that it's not our own doing. Uh, now, I don't, if you guys aren't hand-raising church, I get it. On Thursday night, I got a lot of young people, and they love getting involved. And, and, uh, but how many of you would have planned every aspect of your life the way it's gone so far? <laughs> right? Because if we could have planned it, it would have been so much nicer way easier. You would not only would I, see, here's the problem is that I would have been perfect and that would have messed up everybody else's life, right? I, I think sometimes us being flawed, it gives everybody else a chance to go, oh, good. They're as messed up as I am. It's all okay. But we, we would have looked at God and said, Lord, let, let, let me explain to you how much better my life could have been if you would have let me plan it. But I promise you this, we would have never dreamt of this type of salvation, this form of salvation. I was trying to come up with a way of illustrating this. And the best I have is making a cake. And I want to say off the top, I understand that this fails completely because I did not create the items with which I would make a cake. Okay, so I don't even get them close to being where God's at who spoke everything into existence to create us. But think about it this way. A cake might be a safe way to think about this. So I make a cake, right? Which I can do, by the way. I just want to, I can make a few things. I make a cake. But when it's sitting on the counter, it starts to die. It, the, the top starts to fall in. And it, and it begins to lose its form and no longer be able to fulfill what it was designed to fulfill. First thought on the top of my head is, you know what? I need to die to save the cake. No? Why not? I created it. It has a purpose. If my wife helped me, it was beautiful and probably tastes good. Right? Why would that not be our first response? Because it's crazy. Who would die for something that you just made? And yet imagine a creator God who's breathing stars and who creates us from dust, from nothing, and says, I've got such a plan for you. 
I've got such a plan. I want you to see this. We wouldn't even, we would have done nothing, uh, uh, nothing like this at all. We couldn't have come up with it on our own. And there's no way we can earn it. Paul says it's not by any works that we have done. There's nothing we could do to have earned this or to have warranted this kind of love. And it's at this point that he says we are his craftsmanship. Genesis 1.31, uh, the writer of Genesis was, is, is telling the story of creation and God gets all done. And, and it's the end of day six and he's looking at what he's done and he says, it's very good. It's very good. The creator of the universe says that his creation was very good. Uh, Psalms, David, in, in chapter one, uh, 139, verses 13 through 16. Turn with me there, if you would. We're going to look at this psalm. It's, it's an amazing picture. As David describes uh, his understanding of, of God's involvement in our lives. Uh, psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. David says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. David recognizes the craftsmanship of God, the process. Um, there, there's, there's two ways to understand uh, workmanship, and there was two definitions as I was wrestling with it and lo looked up the Greek word here. Um, one of is just to be created. Craftsmanship creates something. Um, that's one definition. But the more they, they with the um, writers of the definition were, were sharing, um, the, a more accurate way to understand this use of craftsman was that the craftsman is transferring quality to the item created based on the quality of the craftsman doing the creating. That's the workmanship that we are. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know how many of you believe that. I don't. I do. But I realize that in the practice of my life, I don't. Um, I had dreams of being an NBA basketball star. Hey, hey, hey. Why does everybody laugh about that? Because I'm short, right? I got to tell you, in college, I tore them up, though. I was so much faster than big, gangly guys running around. I was driving all around them. It was awesome. But why? I had a real issue. Do you know that I, I weighed 100 and, no, I wasn't even, I was 16 years old, and I was, I was uh, 95 pounds at the age of 16. In seventh grade, I, I was still not over five foot four. I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at today. I got to tell you, I had such a problem with God at that. I had such a problem with who I was. Because I wasn't what I thought I should be. I didn't look the way I thought I should be. I couldn't do the things that I thought I should do. I was not okay with God's craftsmanship of my life. 
I don't particularly like the gift of mercy. I don't know if you're aware of that, but some spiritual gifts are painful. I have complaints about things that God's made me to be. Do you, in my value of belief, and what, I, what I'm seeing that God is really challenging in my heart, is that when I say I believe something, but then my life reflects something different, I actually am a liar, and I don't believe it. So I'm trying to be really honest with you and just say, I realize that as much as I want to believe and want to trust God that his craftsmanship is perfect, that in my activity of life, I don't always live that way. Anybody else worried about size, color, hair, gifts, strengths, family, jobs, any of that stuff? Are we trusting that God is this craftsman? The God of the Bible that breathed stars into existence said, I made you on purpose, for a purpose. Do we believe it? I got time for an illustration. I need a volunteer. Do I have any young volunteers that would trust me? I, pro I promise it won't be unsafe. Just need one. There's got to be somebody out here that wants to know what's going to happen. I know there is. Okay, it doesn't have to be young. I'll just take a brave person. All right, come on up. Thank you. Now, all we're going to do, and everybody's going to hate themselves for not coming up here, although I don't have anything to give you. I'm Shane, by the way. John. John, nice to meet you. What I'd like you to do, would you demonstrate for everybody how to sit down in a chair? Just, just sit down. Okay, do that one more time so they can see how you sit down in a chair. Okay, well, I want you to do it quick, like you're really confident. Just perfect. Okay, now go ahead and stand up. I want you to close your eyes. Take two steps forward. Close your eyes. Now, I want you to know, I don't know John. I really don't. This is the first time I met him. I'm new to your guys' church, right? So this, if he, if he successfully does this, it's going to be a miracle. Uh, well, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. But what I'm doing, John, is I am, I'm moving the chair and I'm placing it back right where it was or very, very close to that spot. And without looking, without opening your eyes or doing anything, I'd like you to sit down in that chair, please. When you're ready, just sit. Ah, yeah, there we go. Thank you. That was perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> what did you guys see? What happened there? Absolutely. And, and to no fault of John's, he's brilliant for not. What? Who trusts a guy you don't know that draws you up in front of people and says he moved my chair? Right? That's what it looks like, though, when we say, oh, Lord, I believe that you are the sovereign God, creator of the earth, of heaven, that you're a star-breathing God. I believe that what the Bible says is true. Everything that the Bible says about you is true. And he says, okay, I'd like you to do this. And we go, that's what we're doing. Belief in a God, in the God this idea of faith that we're talking about, it results in a life that lives, uh, it, it results in a life that reflects that truth. Now, I want to I encourage us. We are all on a journey of growing in our faith, right? James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces this. And when it's complete, he even says, let it have its full effect in one of the translations. I love that. Let it have its full effect. So that we will be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. I believe that's God's plan for us. And it's on purpose. And that's what we see Paul encouraging us even more in Ephesians. 
He says at the end here of this passage, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is God's plan. It is his purpose. He's prepared us for this. And that we should walk in them. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have, have uh, got to be on a fire. I spent um, a, a summer and a half ago, I was one of the, I was actually assistant chief at our little fire department out in the middle of Enius Valley. And uh, we had two of the largest fires in the state of Washington come at both ends of our valley. Uh, when they first started approaching our valley, they were only about a 50 to 60,000 acres. By the time we were on them, they were 150 to 200,000 plus on each side of our valley on an 18 mile stretch. So, um, I've never been, I mean, I was a volunteer firefighter for five years. I mean, we're talking grass fires. Uh, I was an EMT, so we had a couple people that were hurt. You know, th there was just nothing exciting. And my first day on the job was 50,000 acre fire. I'm responsible for six engines as a strike team leader, which I'd never done before, ever. And they're like, here you go. These are your people. Go get the fire. And that was all we had. Because our end of the fire right now, they said they at that time they said there wasn't enough, there weren't enough valuables or there weren't high enough val property values to to engage other people. So on the day one, they said we were over a thousand men short of what they would call what they would have considered an adequate first day strike team. A thousand men short. Good luck. Yeah. It was through that process I met, I met a guy from Australia. And he comes walking up to me. I'm, in, I'm responsible for him. And he goes, hey, I'm going to go out and take a Ricky around the fire. And I'm like, is that how you guys say you take a leak? I mean, what, what in the world? I had no idea. I'm like, what? Take a Ricky? Well, I didn't want to look like a complete idiot. So I didn't say anything to him about it. And I came over here and I talked to Giles. I said, Giles, what's a Ricky? And Giles said, well, it's a, it's a walk. It's, it's the, the, he's taking a walk. He's going out to look at and, and do a, an observatory walk around the fire and kind of see what we've got to deal with. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. This idea of walk is not that. I just pulled the, hey, you know that tree by there when you're on your directions? It, don't, don't worry about that. I just did that to you. You guys okay with that? This, this is not that idea of go out and take a walk around something and look at it. This word walk is about, it's as you travel. So imagine back in this day, they didn't have cars, they didn't have motorcycles. I mean, they might have, Jesus came in on a donkey, right? And so if, if you thought about how they would travel, every day of their life was walking. It was how they got around. And that's the idea of this word. It is as you walk. It's as you travel about. Or, or one, of the, one of the definitions is to tread all around. I like that one. But it's as we walk. God's design, his purpose in this whole process is that our salvation would come through grace, or by grace, through faith, through the process of faith that he's designed specifically for us. Not anything that we could have done, or in by no way, no means could we have earned it. But he's planned it in advance beforehand. And he's designed it specifically for you and for me for our everyday life. Isn't that awesome? 
at the same time, you're like, ah, dang it, I was hoping he'd change all this stuff. I don't know. I, I, I got to be on. I, I'll just be really honest with you guys. I recognize that I'm flawed and, and that I wrestle with all this stuff. And I just, I love sharing that because I hope I, it encourages you to, to take a true look at this. Am I trusting God? Am I demanding that I see the seat, that I touch the seat, that I adjust the seat before I'm willing to sit in it when he asks me to move? Is, is his, the truth about who he is, is it permeating every day of my life so that every step I'm more and more like him? Every step I reflect him more and more? One of my favorite verses is First uh, John 1.9. Because when I blow it, I go right to the Lord and I admit it. You're right. I'm wrong. God, would you forgive me and set me on the right path? I want to know this. I want to know God at this level. I want to be able to trust God. That when he tells me to go, when he tells me to stay, when he tells me to jump, whatever it is, I would do it. Without question without compromise, without qualifying, but that I would go. Because it's God's plan. And he had it all in place before he even made the dust. That's amazing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your your kindness, your merciful love. Lord, thank you that that it's your plan. It was your purpose. Um, that it's your grace and that you're developing faith in all of us uh, that I can't even do that real well this trusting you thing and yet God I do believe the Bible and I want to be more accurate in my life that it would follow my beliefs would you guide and direct in all of our lives I, I pray Father especially that your spirit would convict us when we are not living in obedience to you and that in those moments we would repent and turn back to you, Lord. That you would be glorified, that you would be king, that you would be on the throne of our lives and you would be the only true God in our lives. As the Bible says, you are for all mankind, for all the universe, for all time. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for your grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, our elders, and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLakeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week on God's Word for You for Today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.